0: I just want to start by reminding us of a few very important things. Despite circumstances, God has not changed. You heard it here first. God has not changed. God is still here. The Lord is near. And that's all we need to know. Because greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. There is power in God. There is power in the name of Jesus. And this is his church. He died for it. He loves it. And he's going to see it through. Please receive that. God is here. That hasn't changed and never will change. The second thing is we need God desperately. Like never before, we need God to be at work in this fellowship. We need His help. We need His guidance. We need His comfort. Because our own strength, our abilities, our skills... Our managing of circumstances and situations will never be enough. Never. We need God. Two years ago, I had to repair my garden fence. Wind, weather, all sorts had rendered it useless. And there was a tree that had grown up, not a very nice looking tree but a tree that had grown up very close to the fence, and it needed to come down. Now, in my confidence, I thought, I can do this. And I calculated the angle that I wanted it to fall, and naively, I set to it. It didn't take me long to realize that the tree had ideas of its own that it wasn't going to fall where I wanted it to. It was actually going to obliterate the fence and not fall away from it. Unfortunately, fortunately, a kindly neighbor saw my predicament because I wasn't going to ask for help, clearly. Saw my predicament and came running. And between us, we managed to persuade the tree where it should fall. We all know what it is to need help. And God knows that we need help. God knows that. There's no shame in asking God for his power and his help. And that's what Pentecost is all about. It's about God saying, I am with you. I am here. I am the power that you need to live as I want you to live. And at this moment, on this day, God is saying, I am here. What did we hear last week? Are you thirsty? Do you thirst for more of God? Are you still happy to live in your own strength? Or are you saying, God, I'm making a mess of it. The trees go in the wrong way, Lord. I need your help. And God, God will step in. People love the story of the ordinary person having otherworldly powers. You've only got to look at Hollywood. Superhero movies coming out every other month. There's an epidemic of them. Andy Baker's loving it. It's not too different for us because we need the same in our lives. We are ordinary people that need an extraordinary God to make the difference. And that's what God is doing. And that's what God is about. I'm going to make a statement now. And I'm going to challenge you. I'm going to say this. You cannot be an effective Christian in your own strength. If you can, see me after. I'd love to hear from you. The reality is, we cannot save ourselves. We are lost in our sins, and we need God to rescue us. We need God to save us. Having started in faith, having started receiving from God, who are we? to then say, we've got this covered now. We're saved, and we're going to take this on. We need the power of God, and we need the power of the Holy Spirit. That's my introduction. Let's read. And I'm going to keep the reading short, because uh, I'm looking at the clock, and I'm a bit alarmed to see that it's uh, gone 20 past already. So, we're going we're to rattle through this. Put your seatbelts on, and, uh, and let's go for it. So, Acts chapter 2, the story of Pentecost. And uh, I'm just going to read the first, um, let me see, yeah, I'll read the first um, four or five verses maybe, and then I'll skip to the end. Okay, verse 1, when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven. And filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came and to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the spirit enabled them. Actually, I'm just going to pause there, and we'll move then to uh, verse 14. Then Peter stood up with the 11 raised his voice and addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I'm saying. These men are not drunk, as you suppose. What a great start to a sermon. I'm not drunk. These men are not drunk, as you suppose. It is only nine in the morning. And then he goes on to preach his sermon. And quickly, I'll just go to verse uh, 38. Yes, 38. Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call just want to make some very simple points. And I think I want to try and relate it to the church, not to individuals, to the church, the corporate body this morning. The gift of the Holy Spirit is open to all of us. As individuals, we can all come and receive. But I want to take this in the context of the church. And we read in verse 1 that they were all together. In one place. Now, the group of Jesus' followers had experienced the whole range of human emotion. In three years, they had been on the roller coaster to end all roller coasters. They were minding their own business, and Jesus called them. And Jesus changed their life. And they were full of joy. They were full of hope. They were full of purpose. They were full of excitement. They they had a task. They had a master. They had Jesus. And those three years were incredible. They heard him speak, they saw the miracles, they spent time with him. It was fantastic. And then he was arrested, then he was charged. Then he was crucified. And they became confused, full of despair, full of sorrow. And then somebody said, he's alive. He's risen. And unbelief turned to shock. And shock turned to amazement. And then it was uncertainty. Well, he's alive, but he's left us on our own. What are we going to do? In three years, these disciples, this group of followers, had gone through every emotion possible. And they were told to wait in Jerusalem. They were told to wait for the gift of the Holy Spirit. Now, they didn't know what the Holy Spirit was. They had no idea what God was going to do. They had no idea what God had planned for them. But they were together. They were together, united. They had one purpose, and it was waiting for God to show up. They thirsted. They hungered after God. Unity is powerful. And at such a time as this, to be one, in one place, looking to God, is a word that we need to receive and a word that we need to hear. When you're together, you can achieve great things, because where there is unity, Psalm 133 tells us, the Spirit of God commands the blessing. Where there is cleverness, no. Where there is great managers, no. Where there are People that are confident in their own abilities? No. Where there is unity, where there is a togetherness, a heart for one another and a heart for God, that is where God commands the blessing. (coughs) We see it in sport. A team of names that nobody's ever heard of beat a team of superstars, household names, because they are hungry and they're together. We see it in nature. I watched a program once where some really ravenous lions had decided that a baby elephant would make an excellent meal. It was in a drought and their food was scarce. And this baby elephant looked delicious to the lions. Now, what did the mother elephants do? Did they all go, oh, the lions are here and charge off in different directions? No. I'll tell you what the mother elephants did. They stood in a circle. They put the baby in the middle and they faced the lions and they said, come on then. And after half an hour, the lions ran off. Togetherness, unity in Christ is powerful. Think of the wildebeest. The lions come Every wildebeest for itself. If they stood together, if they faced the lions with those horns, they could survive. But no. individual. No unity. Everyone scatters, and the lions get their feast. Anan needs to be one in Christ, now and always. But where there is unity, God commands the blessing. You see, they trusted, the disciples in this room trusted that God would do the right thing. They were united behind one purpose. They wanted more of God at any cost. At any cost. My prayer for Anan is that we would be a church that wants God. At any cost. Because, whatever the cost, it's a price worth paying. Because the alternative is not even worth thinking about. A church full of people working in their own strength, that's never, never going to work. We need God. We need God and His power to breathe life into us. We must be united. Secondly, very quickly, what we see here is that when God comes, he is uncontainable. This was incredible. This was amazing. This was God doing something that he'd never done before. But that's God, because God always does things he's never done before. He always does new things. That's what's exciting about being a Christian. That's what's exciting about following Christ because God is God and God will do what God will do. Now he showed up at nine o'clock in the morning. If I was planning it, it would have probably been seven o'clock in the evening. The disciples were together. They were told to wait and they had no idea when God would show up. And he showed up at nine o'clock in the morning. God does things that will blow our minds. God will do things that He's never done before in this place. He is amazing. There's never a dull moment with God because He does new things all the time. God never runs out of ideas. God never recycles plans that he's had in his filing cabinet. God does new things all the time. And that's God. He turns up when we don't expect him. And he does the unexpected. Now, I hope you've got a vivid imagination. But even if you haven't, the very words in this passage its absolute chaos. Absolute chaos. It wasn't controlled, it wasn't calm, and it wasn't quiet. When God shows up, he's God. And we can't contain him. And we need more of that. We need more of God doing what God does best. You had an indoor tornado. That's quite a spectacle. We had fire in the shape of tongues falling from the ceiling. That's impressive. We had people shouting, talking in languages they'd never even learned. That's impressive. You see, God was breaking in and he was making the ordinary extraordinary. Some of you will have heard of the daily devotions every day with Jesus. They were started by a Welsh uh, minister called Selwyn Hughes. He's sadly passed away, but he's with the Lord. So I'm sure Selwyn's very happy. Um, But Selwyn Hughes, in his ministry, went to South Korea. And um, the South Koreans are very uh, vocal and expressive in their worship. And he was in a service and... The people were worshipping and people were singing in tongues and shouting out in in languages that they didn't understand. The Holy Spirit was moving. And to Selwyn Hughes' great joy, he heard somebody shouting out in Welsh, praise to the Lord. And he was thrilled. And he was so distracted by this beautiful Welsh that was being spoken. He looked around and he saw that it was a Korean lady. And he thought, well, that's incredible. How on earth can she speak Welsh? So after the service, he went up to her. And he said, that was beautiful to hear you praising God in Welsh. And she had no idea. She didn't even know that Wales existed. But God had placed, and the Holy Spirit in moving upon her, had given her the Welsh language as a gift. That's God. Who'd have thought God was promoting Welsh across the world? (laughs) But this is what God does. God does the extraordinary in ordinary people. God is uncontainable, and he was never meant for captivity. How like us to try and put God in a box... How like us to try and make sure that things happen decently and in a controlled way. And all the time, God is saying, come on, I've got more for you. Come on, there's more. We're settling for second best. We're settling for a little when God has a banquet for us. And that needs to change. It needs to change in my life, and it needs to change in your life. It needs to change corporately in this place. Because we need God to be God here. We need the power of God to break through. I was driving my car to work. And when I bought the car, I was informed that there was an eco-mode which was excellent for doing distance and journeys. Well, I travel about 40 miles to work every day, so it's quite, quite a journey. So they recommended that I put the eco button on because that would save me a lot of money and it would be great. So I naively pressed the eco button and there I've been for months, driving my car, back and forth to work, looking at the screen output showing how many miles per gallon extra I'm getting because I'm on eco mode, and it's very satisfying. One day, one day, just because I felt I should, I took the eco button off. Wow, what a difference. The car could go. It could accelerate. Because the eco button stops it accelerating. The eco button stops it doing anything. The eco button just gets you there. We need to take off the eco button. We need to drive like our pants are on fire. We need... God to move. No more eco buttons. No more safe. We want God. And we want God to do amazing things here. We want God to change lives. We want the gifts of God's Holy Spirit to operate in our midst. We want words of wisdom. We want words of knowledge. We want words of prophecy. We want healing. We want God to absolutely transform our lives and this church. We need God to transform this community. And we haven't even started. We haven't even started. Because He's a big God. And there's more of God to go around. And we need to be thirsty. We need to take this word seriously. We don't want a nice church. Absolutely not. We want a powerful church. We want a church where God reigns and God rules and God is working in the miraculous. That's what Pentecost means. It means more of God and less of us. It means us saying, God, you are sovereign. You are Lord. Move in our midst. John 3 verse 8. The Spirit goes where it wills. Hands up. Who can control the wind? Well, I'm glad there's no hands up, because that would be really worrying. I thought somebody would, just for the fun of it, but there you are. Who can control the tides? No? No, me. So why do we try and control God? What makes us think that we can have God in a box of our making? What makes us think that it's okay to do that? It's not okay. We need to hunger and thirst for God and his power and his glory. And only then, only then, will we see God's plans and purposes fulfilled in this place. Time has gone. The third point I was going to make is that as a result of the Spirit of God, they were unafraid. Unity, uncontainable, unafraid. They had encountered the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit had broken out and God was there. And Peter stood up. Peter, Peter, An uneducated fisherman. Uneducated fisherman. Peter, who was so afraid of what people thought of him that he denied knowing Jesus. Peter, that when the women came back with a report that Jesus was risen, didn't quite believe it. That Peter, full of the Holy Spirit, stood up and he preached to thousands. Thousands of people. And 3,000 people became Christians. Now that's a church plant. 3,000 people became Christians as the result of the Spirit working in Peter's life. The difference between 9 o'clock and 10 o'clock was the Holy Spirit. They were the same people at 9 o'clock as they were at 10 o'clock. But what had happened is they had been filled with God. Filled with the Holy Spirit. And we need that. We need that power. We need God to move. Do not. Do not settle for less of God. That's a miserable existence. Don't settle for that. More of God. Don't be ordinary. See what the Holy Spirit can do with ordinary. Be filled with the Spirit. I'm going to quickly pray and then hand over to Tony. And uh, Tony will lead us on to the next part of the service. But let's just uh, commit this to the Lord. Lord, forgive us for trying to control your glory and your power. Forgive us for thinking that we can run church in our way. Forgive us, Lord. For working in our own strength. Lord, we just beseech you. We thirst. We hunger. And we say, Lord, be released in our midst. Holy Spirit, would you come now? Would you fall upon us? Would you prompt? Would you lead? Would you guide? Would you fill? Would you overwhelm us with your presence? Lord, we say more of you. More of you, Lord, in every way. In the name of Jesus Christ, be released now in our presence, in our midst, in Jesus' name. Amen.